A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment, and this is the Gun Guy. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, bang, bang. With Guy Ralford on 93 WIBC. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. We're thrilled you're with us. As we always do, we have a hell of a lot to talk about, starting with the fact that we have a new, very important, very important office, quote unquote, that's been established within the White House. And our esteemed leaders in Washington, D.C., and in particular those in the White House right now, under the brilliant direction of President Joe Biden, have decided to create a new office, which they're calling the White White House Office of Gun Violence Protection. And you say, okay, well, let's, let's think about this a little bit. This is at the White House, which means it's part of the executive branch. It's under the direction of the president. So what exactly is it they can do? It's not even an executive agency. And certain executive agencies, for particular, in particular like the ATF or the FBI, as an executive agency, Congress has delegated certain powers to them, certain abilities. And within those delegated powers, they can then do their jobs as defined by delegated authorities from Congress. So if you're an office, quote unquote, within the White House, what exactly does that mean? Well, it's an open question at this point. In terms of your authority to do anything that impacts the American people, it's pretty much, see, it's moments like this, producer Carl, I regret not being able to cuss on the radio, but I, uh, it's pretty much nada. How's that? Yeah, no, it'll say Spanish for nothing. It's pretty much zip in terms of what you have the the authority to do it's kind of like oh say being appointed the border czar in order to control immigration on the southern border because you're not part of INS right immigration naturalization service you're not part of the border patrol you're not part of an official government entity or executive agency it's been delegated certain powers. You've just received some title because the gentleman currently in the White House decides to give you that title. So what it means in terms of your actual authority, it's pretty much exactly like borders are. However, you would think that when someone as important, I put, I'll, let me put important in quotes, important as our current vice president, Kamala Harris, gets the nod for a position like border czar. All right, well, she's the vice president, so she should be able to influence those people who can actually take action, who have the legal authority to take action. And so, of course, a lot of people expected that to happen on the southern border with Kamala Harris having been appointed as quote-unquote border czar. Of course, what we've now seen is the the border is more uncontrolled, it's more regulated, unregulated, and we've had more illegal crossings in the last year than we've seen in a, a long, long time. I keep hearing news reports that something like, I, I just heard one last night, like 10,000 people in a day illegally crossed the border. Well, that's notwithstanding the fact that we have a border czar in the uh, form of one Vice President Kamala Harris. So, who is going to head up the new White House Office of Gun Violence Protection? Hey everybody, so I have some big news to share. We are announcing the creation of the first ever White House Office of Gun Violence Prevention. And we are doing this work in large part because of the activism, the organizing, the marching, the voting 
of all of you leaders, be it students, parents, teachers, community leaders, who understand that living free from gun violence should be a right. So we're going to work on this together. We're going to continue to fight for reasonable gun safety laws and for the ability of all people to live their best lives free from fear, free from violence. Thank you for all that you have done and continue to do. Okay, so if you're someone living in fear of violence, generally, or okay, uh, let's give them their their phrase they love more than anything, gun violence. I'm sorry. I don't separate violence. I don't. Uh, I, I don't change my description of violence based on the weapon that was used. If someone stabs me, I don't call it knife violence. I just call it violence. If somebody punches me in the face, I don't call it fist violence. It's just violence. But they love saying gun violence because, of course, that demonizes firearms, which is a whole part of the agenda. So nah, it's not a surprise to anybody. We've heard that for a generation or more. But here they're saying, all right, we're, 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 when, when someone hears, the audience that listened to that speech from the Rose Garden, from the Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris, who said, all right, we're going to fight to limit gun violence. And then here's something that really caught my attention. She said, because you have a right to live free of the threat of gun violence. And you hear this a lot. People say, look, you want to talk about your Second Amendment rights guy all the time. Well, I have a right to live without fear of being shot. And my right to live without fear of being shot dominates, is superior to your right to possess a firearm. You know what I always always say? Let's go down that road. I always go, well, of course you have a right to live free of violence. That's why there's crimes against illegal violence. Kamala Harris says, you have a right to live free of gun violence. Well, of course you do. That's absolutely true. You have a right to live free of gun violence because if somebody tries to shoot you or, in fact, shoots you, they go to prison. There's never been a defense in the history of anybody shooting any other person. There's never been an, an argument in court where somebody comes to court and says, yeah, what are you being accused of here? Well, they say, I shot this person. Oh, well, what do you have to say about that? Well, they have no right to live free of gun violence. My right to shoot them is more important. Has anybody ever made that legal argument in the history of the universe? No, of course not. You can say, my use of force was justified because it was in self-defense or defense of a third person. That's completely different. But there's never been an argument to say there's no right to live free of gun violence in the sense that an innocent person can't say other people can't hurt them because other people have a right to hurt them. No. Outside the context of self-defense or defense of innocent third persons, no one's ever made that argument. So this ridiculous thing of you have a right to live free of gun violence, of course you do. And that's why no one can, can, can unlawfully hurt you in any way. Punch you, stab you, shoot you, doesn't matter. Of course you have that right. You've always had that right. Since there have been laws in society, you've had that right. But you can have that right, and I can have a right to own firearms and to carry firearms and to own and carry the firearm of my choice. And your right coexists with my right. My right is not inconsistent with your right. I can, I can, ha- I can own whatever. I can, yes, I can own an AR-15 or several. I can own a machine gun. I can own a tank or a cannon. And yes, President Biden, you can own a tank. You can own a can. And you could own a cannon at the time of the ratification of the Second Amendment. But I can own whatever legal firearms. that I care to own under my Second Amendment rights, and you can have a right to be free of violence, and those rights coexist. When do those rights potentially not coexist? When do those rights conflict? I would say never. But let's say I take my gun that I lawfully own, 
and I try to unlawfully hurt you with it. Can I rely on the Second Amendment? Can I say, oh, well, I have a Second Amendment right to bear arms, therefore I can shoot this innocent person sitting in their, in their living room at home? Of course not. Does the Second Amendment protect that right? No, and it never has. So when you hear this argument, well, your right to own a gun is secondary to my right to live free of violence. It's so completely ridiculous. They're not inconsistent rights, and they never have been. And that's why this speech by Kamala that goes right down, it's predictable. Everybody, if you're sitting on the radio right now going, what, guy, is a surprise? Of course not. I've been listening to this for a damn long time. I'm old, and I've been involved in this for a while. So none of us a surprise. But don't give in to that. Don't get caught up in it. Don't, don't allow that argument to ever have any success. Don't allow it to have the light of day. My right to live free of gun violence superior to your Second Amendment rights. Well, no, you have that right. I have my right. And there's no reason to say one's superior to the other unless they conflict. And there's no reason for them to ever conflict. Because my Second Amendment right gives me no right to hurt you. And the Second Amendment rights of anybody else on this planet gives no gives me no right to hurt you outside the context of lawful and justified self-defense. That's the easy answer to that. We come back, though, we'll talk about what we can expect to see from the newly formed White House Office of Gun Violence Protection. And then we'll talk about what's going on a little more close to home here in terms of what Democrats are trying to do right here in Indiana. Right now, we're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show. By the way, give us a call. You want to join the discussion, 317-239-9393. We love taking calls. We take calls throughout our entire two-hour show. Although, by the way, drop a footnote on that. We're out of here at 6.30 tonight because the pregame show for IU Akron, I believe the game is, um, starts uh, the pregame show starts at 6.30. So we have a little bit of an, an abbreviated Gun Guy show tonight. But in the meantime, for at least 90 minutes, we'd love to take your calls, 317-239-9393. This is Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WYBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WYBC. And uh, we're really going to talk about this just a little bit more because, frankly, I don't think it deserves much more attention than that. But there's this newly formed or newly announced, anyway, White House Office of Gun Violence Protection, which sounds very important. But they apparently put Kamala Harris in charge of this thing, uh, where a lot of people, when I posted a couple of links about this, a lot of people responded and said, well, if she's as effective on this as she is on the southern border, there's not much to worry about from a Second Amendment perspective. And I think that's exactly the right response. I couldn't agree more. But here's what you're going to see out of this. And 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 part of this does raise some concern, not because I think Kamala Harris is going to be effective at doing anything she sets out to do, but to the extent that the White House starts directing agencies like, oh, say, the ATF to take certain actions. Unfortunately, we've seen that happen over and over here recently. I mean, just look. I mean, and and frankly, I'm sorry, we got to call a spade a spade. we got to be honest. President Trump started this snowball rolling down the hill with let's ban bump stocks after the Las Vegas shooting. And listen, I enthusiastically voted for President Trump in, in two general elections. And I would do so again were he the nominee. But he made a major mistake on the Second Amendment and showed himself to be not particularly strong on the Second Amendment when, after Las Vegas, came out and said, oh, that's it, bump stocks are gone, and he told the ATF to make him illegal. He didn't call on Congress to pass a law to make him illegal, he told the ATF to make him illegal. Big difference. Big difference because your elected representatives in Congress had nothing to say about it. It bypassed the legislative process. And the career bureaucrats at the ATF, and I'm not talking about the rank and file and the enforcement people, I'm talking about the bureaucrats at the management level 
who care more about remaining bureaucrats than they do about your freedoms, said, sure, President Trump will do exactly what you want. And they made bump stocks illegal. And look, a lot of people said, oh, well, we don't care much about bump stocks. Bump stocks are stupid. I said bump stocks are stupid, but I, I care a lot about the process by which they were made illegal because it did not involve Congress. It involved ATF simply amending a regulation. And in their regulation, by all intents and purposes, changed the language of Congress. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. That's not how separation of powers works. We gave the executive agents, the executive branch, excuse me, executive powers, which means they enforce the law. We gave the judicial branch judicial powers, which is they interpret the law. And we gave the legislative branch, very importantly, the ability to make the law. When ATF changes a regulation and changes the law, they're doing something that they were never intended to do, not by the founders of this country. And Trump went down that road, and it was a huge mistake. And since then, what have we seen? Oh, now ghost guns are illegal. Did Congress do that? No. Now pistol braces have to be registered as short-barreled rifles if they're attached to a gun with a, a barrel less than 16 inches. Did Congress do that? No. And it goes on and on. You know exactly the examples I'm going to cite. It started with bump stocks, but now under Biden, it's just gotten worse. So what you're going to see under this newly formed Office of Gun Violence Protection, since it's sitting there in the White House, is, yeah, they'll whine at Congress, oh, you need to pass an assault weapon ban. Okay. They've been doing that for a damn long time. You're going to whine at Congress. Oh, we need a high-capacity magazine ban. Uh, more news on that front in a bit. They'll whine at Congress about what they want Congress to do. But given the fact that Congress is actually elected by people back in their home jurisdictions and will vote for them or against them based on what they do in Congress, that's very unlikely to pass. And they know that, just like you know that and I know that. So what are they going to do? In this newly formed office of gun violence prevention. They're going to they're going to go to ATF. They're going to go to FBI and say, do whatever you got to do to deny every possible person a background check when they're trying to buy a gun. Any ostensible reason. Deny the background check. I'm already seeing that. I think that order's already gone out. I mean, people have had felonies expunged or had felonies reduced to misdemeanors. They're fully capable. They're fully legal to possess a gun, buy a gun. FBI's denying them left and right. This has happened a bunch. I think an order's come down from the White House to say, screw these people over. You know they're legal. We know they're legal. We just want to mess with people's Second Amendment rights. I absolutely believe that's true. At the interannual meeting here in town, here in Indy, a few months ago, I went by the 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 NICS desk, the National Instant Criminal Background Check System of the FBI, had they had a booth. They had, they had a, it wasn't very big. It was a, a table or two there in the exhibition hall at the NRA annual meeting. And I went by and I got to talk to the lady who runs overseas, I think is the way she put it, the NICS people doing background checks for people out of Indiana. And I got to say, why are you doing this? And she looked at me like I had no idea what I was talking about. I go, why are you denying people who have had felonies expunged? She goes, well, there's some question about an Indiana, whether an Indiana expungement restores your gun rights. I go, no, 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 there's no question about that. I've got a letter right here. I can show you. I can get into my file on my phone and show you a letter from the Department of Justice and the FBI that says an Indiana expungement absolutely does restore your gun rights. I got a letter from your boss at the Department of Justice. Don't tell me there's some question. Well, I think it may take some further analysis. No, we've done the analysis. You were denying a bunch of these, and we went to you and you complained, and so you asked for the Indiana Attorney General to issue an official legal opinion about whether an Indiana expungement restores gun rights. And Curtis Hill, bless his heart, Say what you want about Curtis Hill. He is strong on the Second Amendment, and he is a strong conservative. Curtis Hill wrote this awesome 
multi-page, like seven, eight-page opinion that said, absolutely, an Indiana expungement restores gun rights at the request of the Department of Justice. And he sent them that to, to you people, and you people said, wow, looks right to me, and you're still screwing these people over. This is intentional. Well, we're going to have to take a look at that. I'm telling you, that's what you're going to see out of this newly formed Office of Gun Violence Prevention. You're going to see the White House telling administrative agencies to mess with your... Man, it's so hard not to cuss on the radio, Carl. It's just really hard. Mess. To mess is the word we'll use with your Second Amendment rights. That's what you're going to see. You're not going to see any laws change. You're not going to see anything that actually is legal or constitutional. But we're going to have to fight it bit by bit, piece by piece. I mean, that's what I do for a living. That's the reason I formed the two-way project. So we can fight these bastards. Yeah, I can say bastards, damn it. Carl's laughing, so I think I'm okay on that. He's not hitting the dump button. So we can fight the bastards right there on the ground where they live and just say, no, you're trying to do that. That's illegal, and we will fight you on this, and we will win. Meantime, we're at the bottom of the hour. It's time to take a break. A couple of people have called in. We'll go to the phone lines. Then we're going to shift gears a little bit. And uh, talk about what's going on right here in Indiana. I got to tell you this, I don't think it's going to go anywhere, but it's potentially, I think, much more dangerous than anything I see coming from Kamala Harris in Washington, D.C. Uh, give us a call. Join the discussion. 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 w hey thanks for checking out the podcast we appreciate it but make sure you join us live at wibc.com to stream or at 93.1 fm in central indiana for the gun guy show every saturday five to seven uibc and welcome back i'm guy relford on the gun guy show on 93 wibc <laughs> say that 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 song that we use as uh as bumper music, or some people call it rejoin music, uh, that producer Carl plays. It's uh, from Joe Bonamassa, and it's a song called High Water Everywhere. But uh, Carl and I were, were here in the studio, and, and we listened to that, that drum sequence there with a guitar that kind of comes in as an overlay later and just thought, that's just a cool sequence. <laughs> and so we've hung with that. We used to play a lot of different Joe Bonamassa and other kind of bluesy rock and roll music. And uh, I'll tell you what, you know, on social media, uh, I'm at Guy Relford. Give, give me a follow, man. I'm, I am really trying to build my Twitter following. And here, a while ago, I was whining about not having very many Twitter followers. And I was talking to, to producer Carl about that. And I said, man, I don't understand. I go, you know, all these people listen to the show and we get all this great feedback, but I really don't have that many Twitter followers. At which point Carl said, well, Guy, do you ever say anything interesting on Twitter? <laughs> to which I said, "Wow, well, not really, no. And at which point he said, well, why in the hell would anybody follow you on Twitter? Which was a legitimate point. And so, in reaction to, to Carl's very excellent input, I am much more active on Twitter now. And I post a lot of things, a lot of links, a lot of commentary. I give a lot of heads up on uh, bills that, are, that have been filed or uh, different initiatives where people uh, are either being successful in uh, defending our, our Second Amendment rights, fighting to protect and promote our Second Amendment rights, or when the bastards are coming after us. I, a lot of times I post those things on there too. So go on Twitter, give me a follow, at Guy Relford. But what I started to say is, um, if you do or don't like the fact that we're pretty much using the same bumper music, uh, that drum sequence from the great song, it's called High Water Everywhere, just by Joe Bonamassa, who's my favorite artist, um, and comes to indie every year, by the way. But anyway, if you do or don't like the fact we've hang, hung with that same song, give me a, a comment on Twitter, at Guy Relford. Give me a comment on Facebook. Uh, I'm at Guy A. Relford or, or the, the Gun Guy WIBC. And just say, no, Guy, I liked, liked it better when you played uh, different kinds of music or different songs every time. Because I'm kind of split on it. It was fun to you know play different, uh, just you know, hard-hitting, you know, loud guitar, loud drums strong, vibrant, fun music. Uh, at the same time, I really like this sequence, too. So tell me what you think about that. Because, um, uh, as always, we always want to take the input of our listeners. Speaking of which, Chris has called in. 
And so let's go to the phone lines. We're kind of between topics, so it's a good time to go to the phone lines. And uh, Chris, welcome uh, to the Gun Guy Show, man. What do you got for us? Hey, Guy. Uh, coming, traveling from uh, communist Chicago, trying to get back to Indiana. But uh, question is, uh, carry insurance. Do you, is that something you recommend? There's obviously one that advertises that's probably pretty well known, um, you know, where they allegedly, supposedly, you know, pay legal fees uh, yeah. if I ever have to exert gun violence to stop gun violence. Sure. Uh, you know, is, is, is that something you recommend and or one in particular over another? Yeah. Well, and Chris, thanks for calling, buddy, and travel safely. Um, well, listen, I have, quote unquote, carry insurance. And in order to answer that question, let's first talk about what it is Chris is talking about, if that's not a term you're familiar with, carry insurance, um, and, and Chris described this, and he's completely right, is there's insurance program, there are insurance programs out there that say um, if uh, if you're required to defend yourself, say, um, let's say somebody breaks into your home and uh, you pick up your gun off the nightstand and you shoot the guy who just kicked your door in. But then his family sues you. And by the way, you may be listening and saying, well, who would ever do that? I mean, if someone kicks your door in, obviously you're entitled to defend your home. That's the castle doctrine. Gosh, guy, you idiot. Don't you understand that? We have the castle doctrine in Indiana. You can defend your home. Why would anybody or how could anybody ever sue you? Well, Unfortunately, they still do, and that's exactly why I wrote the Indiana Self-Defense Immunity Law that we've now had in this state since 2019. I could talk about more uh, more on that in a minute, but let's answer the question first. People do file that lawsuit. I'm defending that exact lawsuit right now, and I just argued to have it dismissed under the immunity statute that I wrote. I just had an oral argument in Marion County. Guy was breaking in someone else's home, broke a window. And the, and the homeowner, who's first heard his dog barking, got up, grabbed his gun, went out. First guy was, was pounding on the front door, kicking on the front door, putting his shoulder into the front door. And the homeowner said, hey, I've got a gun. Go away. This is 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, middle of the night. And all the guy did was go around to the back door broke a window and before he started climbing through the window he just broke the homeowner said man i have a gun go away you know what the guy said you're gonna have to shoot me b-word well i won't use the b-word we'll keep we'll continue keeping producer carl happy you're gonna have to shoot me b-word and starts to climb through the window at which point the guy shot him absolutely justified thousand percent Guess what happens? Some lawyer figures this out, finds out about this, files a lawsuit, wrongful death. Oh, you overreacted. Well, carry insurance, as Chris asked me about, and there are a lot of different plans out there, would protect you in that circumstance. If you're walking down the street and somebody tries to mug you, somebody tries to, you know, kidnap your wife assault you, whatever it might be, and you lawfully defend yourself, what if you defend yourself and the local prosecutor's office is incredibly liberal and anti-Second Amendment? Mm, can't think of anywhere where that might apply, as I sit here in the middle of Marion County, and you get prosecuted even though you acted in self-defense. And now you have attorney's fees. Well, there are insurance programs out there that say, you know, okay, buy this insurance, pay a monthly premium or annual premium, however it's set up, and we'll reimburse you or pay for your attorney to defend those things. And some plans even say, like in a civil case, if you're sued and there's a verdict rendered against you, we'll pay the verdict. Now, that all depends on the particular plan and the wording of that particular policy. And they're, and they're very different, and that's why it's, it's very important to study the details of these different plans and policies. And there's a bunch of them. There's 
Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network. I'm in their National System of Defense Council. ALCDN, Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network. There's Second Call Defense. Second Call is kind of a cool name because, you know, first call is 911, second call is to this insurance program. Uh, there's U.S. Law Shield, very big, very popular. NRA had one for a while, but it was um, based in New York, and uh, New York uh, made it illegal to have any such insurance program, and so NRA's policy just kind of imploded and went away. But I've had, since since 2012, I have had insurance through USCCA, the U.S. Concealed Carry Association. And by the way, I, the list I just gave you is not all-inclusive. There are several other plans out there. So, I, you know, I go out there, and, and there's Texas Law Shield, which is part of, I think, uh, don't quote me on this, I think it's associated with U.S. Law Shield, but they offer policies outside of Texas. And there are several others. But at any rate, I've had USCCA, U.S. Concealed Carry Association, and I would guess they're the two biggest um, along uh, that is U.S. Law Shield, along with USCCA, I've had their carry insurance since 2012. I pay an annual premium, and I signed up for the the plan that gives you the most coverage. I know how expensive it can be uh, to to pay legal fees in one of these situations. Um, at the time that I selected USCCA, I did a deep drill on it, and I thought they were the very best program. At the same time, I will I will tell you and listen. Uh, full disclosure. Long after I first got their insurance, probably, shoot, seven or eight years, nine years after I got their insurance, USCCA came to me and asked me to teach some of their self-defense seminars here in Indiana. And as part of that, they paid me a little bit of money. Not nearly enough, which is perhaps why I don't do that anymore. But for a year or two, I taught their um, self-defense seminars. Here in Indiana, I enjoyed doing it. They would have a lawyer come in like me and teach self-defense law, and then it would you know, be a bit of a sales pitch after that. It was a marketing tool for them. And they paid me some money to go do that. So, hey, discount everything that I just said because they paid me some money at some point. But I did buy their insurance many, many years before any of that happened. But if you're going to do this today, I would do another deep drill. Look at, look at coverage. Look at whether you can hire your own attorney. Uh, look at look at a lot of different factors about um, what the best plan is out there. But that's what he's talking about. I have USCCA. Um, you may make a different decision when you look into that. In the meantime, we're well past the three-quarter hour. Carl's giving me the get-the-hell-off-the-radio sign guy. So we'll do that right now and uh, come back in just a bit. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And welcome back to what's going to be a very short segment. Eric Steiner went so long last time. I'm starting to get some responses on social media. It looks like people are leaning toward uh, keeping the current bumper music. But uh, uh, Carl's saying, hell yeah, because this is a lot easier. Right? Carl used to go out and fish, have to fish around and find new songs. And I, I'd always go, no, no, I, I like this segment better than that segment. It was a hell of a lot more work for Carl before. So uh, he's leaning strongly toward keeping the current program because he just pushes the same button and it's good to go. We make Carl's life a little easier. But hey, listen, uh, we're coming to the end of this segment. What we're going to get into in the uh, the next segment, and again, we don't have a full second hour because of the pregame show that's going to start uh, before the IU game, but uh, we're going to get into the fact that Democrats are trying to repeal the Indiana Firearms Preemption Act. What is that? That's what we'll get into and why this is so important uh, when we come back, and we want to continue to take your calls and questions, give us a call, 317-239-9393. But right now, we're coming up on the top of the hour. It's time to take a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. We appreciate it. But make sure you join us live at WIBC.com to stream or at 93.1 FM in central Indiana for The Gun Guy Show every Saturday, 5 to 7. And welcome back to the second hour of the Gun Guy Show, which is not going to be a full hour. We've got the pregame uh, show before the IU game that's going to start at 6.30. So we'll be right out of here um, precisely at 
But uh, for the time we have, we're going to get into this initiative the Democrats have of appealing the Indiana Firearms Preemption Act. By the way, before we do that, I want to give a shout out. Yesterday, I shot in a fundraiser for uh, Boy Scouts of America. And listen, I, I don't necessarily agree with all the policies of, of Boy Scouts of America, but still, it's a it's a it's an important organization. And uh, and I was I was proud to participate in a fundraiser where we shot in a sporting clay tournament up at uh, up in Kokomo at the Isaac Walton uh, uh, range up in uh, Kokomo. It's a beautiful facility, man. You're shooting back in the woods. I've always enjoyed shooting there. I've kind of gotten out of of sporting clays a little bit. Be only because, uh, you know, COVID hit and they shut down a lot of the tournaments and I kind of got out of the habit of going. Um, I came back, I shot, I think, I think I shot one tournament and didn't, didn't shoot very well. And then that's kind of it. So I really been out of it for a couple of years after really I was hot and heavy, uh, there for several years into it, loved the sport, but Hey, I, I got invited to be on a team with three master level shooters. There are only 20 some master level shooters if you you register um as part of the, the the national sporting clays association you start shooting tournaments and you have to work your way up like you start in e class and you have to win so many tournaments in your class and go up to d and c and, and so forth you get up to a and double a and then master but you have to win more and more and more tournaments at each level to get to the next one and and they don't accumulate you, you go into the next one with zero the next class but uh, I had three master class shooters I, I was on the team with, and I'm only B. I worked myself up from E, so I'm, I'm, I was getting there before I really kind of quit shooting. But at any rate, had a great time, and uh, we did have the high score uh, in the afternoon uh, uh, sporting clay tournament that they had as part of this fundraiser uh, for uh, Boy Scouts of America. It was a great time, and it really made me – uh, realize how much I enjoy that sport, and I really encourage it. If if you haven't shot sporting clays, a lot of people describe it as golf with a shotgun, and that's a fair description because you go from station to station to station. They're all different. Um, you're usually in a beautiful location, like in Kokomo at Isaac Walton League. Um, you're back in the woods. There's there's a stream that runs through it. It's just gorgeous, and uh, it's a lot of fun. And so I want to give a, a shout out to those people, and including, including the the three incredibly good shooters that uh, that I had on my team, and uh, and I apparently I had to leave before the award ceremony, but I, I, apparently there's a uh, there's a trophy waiting for me somewhere for for winning the uh, the high score as a team, which by the way, I did not have this high score on my team, I didn't have the second or the third. But given the guys that I was shooting with, uh, I hung in there okay, and we were able to win the thing. At any rate, let's talk about what's going on here in Indiana. The Indiana Firearms Preemption Act is a very, 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 very important law that we have here in Indiana. And this was passed in 2011, and the principal author was uh, Senator Jim Toms. And uh, he's down in the sort of Evansville area, Poseyville, I think is where he actually lives. But Jim's incredibly strong on the Second Amendment. And and states around the, the country had started passing these. And what they say is, listen, we've got plenty law of laws at the state and, and federal level. What we don't need is every city and county and township and airport authority and library board or all these other little units of government passing their own gun control laws. And we, this needs to be done at the state and federal level. And, and so the law was passed and it was a, there was a big fight in the Indiana general assembly. And I, I was there, I participated and we ended up getting the thing passed. And the, the Indiana association of cities and towns was there and they weren't happy about it. They wanted to, to have local control. They wanted cities to be able to pass whatever laws they wanted. But the idea behind this is to, to, to first of all, avoid, you know, the liberal administration, mayor, city, county council, or just city council or common council in other areas around Indiana, they're called different things, you know, being able to pass these, 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 these anti-Second Amendment provisions that, that inflict and infringe on anybody's rights who come into that city or into that county or whatever the jurisdiction might be. And so it was a big fight and a long fight. And, uh, 
It was kind of an early version uh, that looked a lot like, at the time, looked a lot like constitutional carry in terms of there was a lot of emotion, and, and we eventually got it passed. And it basically says local governments, cities, counties, townships, etc., what we call political subdivisions. Where that term comes from is you have the state, the entire state of Indiana, and the state of Indiana is divided into other units of local government, counties, cities, etc. And we call those political subdivisions. It could be an airport authority, a, a, a housing authority. Those are units of government within the state. Those are political subdivisions. And the law says political subdivisions, units of local government, just can't regulate firearms, period. Now, there's a, a section of the act that carves out certain exceptions. It says, for instance, a um, local government can prohibit guns in a building that contains a courthouse or a courtroom. Okay. Um, a unit of government, local unit of government, and we call this a Jimmy Ursay exception. Um, if, the, the, if a city or another political subdivision leases property to a private owner or promoter organizer, I should say, or promoter of an event, then they can prohibit firearms. That's why you can't have guns in a Colts game or a Pacer game. And, and so they, there are very limited exceptions. So, for instance, when Joe Hogsett and Jefferson Shreve both came out and said, well, I want to roll back constitutional carry in Marion County. Well, they can't do that. The Preemption Act prevents them from doing that. When they both said, I want to ban so-called assault weapons, most commonly owned rifles in America, in Marion County. Well, they can't do that. It's illegal. And listen, I filed lawsuits under the Preemption Act all over the state, and we've successfully resolved every single one of them because the law says, the same statute says, if a local government violates the Preemption Act, then anybody adversely affected can file a lawsuit, and you can recover four times your attorney's fees because it provides for liquidated damages of three times your attorney's fees, and you can also collect your attorney's fees. That's four times attorney's fees. You've, you sue these people. And you run up $50,000 in attorney's fees, you can recover $200,000. And, and, and some of the cases we've had have gone on for a long time, and there's been a lot more attorney's fees than that. And so it has teeth to it. And so it's a big deal. And oh, by the way, it also says that if they pass one of these local regulations that violates the act because they regulate firearms, not just firearms, firearms ammunition, or firearms accessories. They can't regulate those things, including the carrying, ownership, possession, transfer, or commerce in any of those things. They say if they do, if they ignore this and they pass, it's void and it's unenforceable. So it's a big deal. So Jefferson Shreve says, I don't care about the Preemption Act, or he thinks, well, because I'm a Republican, this is what's so offensive to me. That's why I hope this guy, and I look, I'm no Hogsett fan. I've been criticizing Joe Hogsett since before he took office. And we really, really need a replacement. But it's not Jefferson Shreve. It, because it's, it's not a Republican who will stab you in the back on Second Amendment rights. That sends a message to other Republican candidates, if he's anywhere close to successful, that the way to be a winning candidate as a Republican in Marion County is to turn your back on the Second Amendment? Oh, hell no. And that's why I hope Jefferson Shreve completely gets his butt kicked, notwithstanding how I feel about Joe Hogsett, because Jefferson Shreve threw the towel in on this election as soon as he came out and alienated his entire base. But when, it, when either or both of Joe Hogsett and Jefferson Shreve came out and said, we want to pass all these restrictions in Marion County, Joe Hogsett wants to do away with all concealed carry. Whether you, whether you have a license or not, notwithstanding the fact that we have constitutional carry, because he's going to roll that back anyway, he wants to do away with all concealed carry. Even if you have a license, you can't carry a concealed firearm in, in Marion County, according to Joe Hogsett. Consider that for a minute. Do you think the criminals care about that? Is a, some dude who's a, a four-time felon is going to go, wait a minute, Joe Hogsett passed an ordinance where I could get fined if I carry a concealed firearm, I don't care about the death penalty. I don't care about life in prison, but Joe Hogsett might find me. Therefore, I better leave my gun home at the crack house. Are you kidding me? 
that if you're threatened with a fine of $2,500 for carrying a concealed firearm in Marion County, you may listen. But they can't do any of that because of the preemption law. So what happened this past week? An Indiana Democrat senator, state senator, Fadi Kadura, filed a bill. Or he has filed a bill. He announced that he's going to file a bill. And we'll talk about that and what he had to say about that and what my response was when we come back for what will be the last segment here of the Gun Guy Show because we're stopping early for the pregame show for the IU Akron game. But right now we're taking a break. This is Guy Rolford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And welcome back, which uh, for, I should say, what will be our last segment uh, here on the Gun Guy Show uh, because we've got the pregame show. Speaking of football, by the way, I have a gentleman's bet uh, for uh, for some beer with uh, Jason Hammer. And listen, let this be a lesson to you. Jason Hammer is a professional handicapper. He has a show. He gets paid to prognosticate uh, the 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 winners and losers of of of, of especially college sports, but he, uh, pros as well. And uh, number nineteen Colorado was playing number ten Oregon. Listen, I'm an Oregon fan. I my son uh, accepted uh, an offer, a scholarship to go play football at Oregon, and I've been on that campus a bunch of time. I'm a fan. But Jason and I were talking about that game, and Oregon was giving twenty one points to Colorado. Twenty one. That's the 19th team in the country. You got this, all this momentum behind Colorado and, and uh, Coach Prime, and they're getting 21 points. And I thought, oh, man, I'll take the 21 points. Uh, I just checked the score. Oregon's winning 42 to nothing. So I got I to gotta put the word out to Jason. I got to ask him what kind of beer he wants <laughs> because I'm not coming back from uh, 42 to nothing, even though there's 11 minutes left uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, in the meantime, let's talk about something more important, the, the firearms preemption law. So um, I got a call from Fox 59, and they said uh, that uh, Senator Kadura uh, from Indianapolis is announcing, not, by the way, any coincidence that he's from a very similar area to where Jefferson Shreve lives. And Jefferson Shreve said he wants to push the repeal of the preemption law. So if we repeal the preemption law at the state level, What's that do? It allows Marion County and Joe Hogsett or Jefferson Shreve, if in the unlikely event he would get elected, to do what they've promised to do, which is go forward and regulate gun rights. And in fact, ban assault weapons, quote unquote, most commonly owned rifles in America, repeal constitutional carry, raise the age to buy any firearm, rifle or shotgun, to 21. So what these two idiots want to do is you can you can go across the the, the seas uh, as a member of the U.S. military. You can you can operate a tank or a drone or an artillery battery, or carry an M4 select fire firearm in in combat, serve your country, come home as a 19 year old, 20 year old. And you can't go into a gun store in Marion County and buy a rifle or a shotgun to go hunting with your dad. That's what Jefferson Shreve and Joe Hogsett want in Marion County. And if this effort is successful, which is at their request, make no mistake, it's that these two, these two mayoral candidates, the mayor, current mayor, Joe Hogsett, and Republican candidate Jefferson Shreve, they both asked for the same thing. They've asked for this repeal. A Republican, get the, get your head around this. A Republican is asking for a repeal of the preemption law to allow these unconstitutional, and they are unconstitutional, make no mistake. If these things were to pass, I'll file the lawsuit on behalf of the 2A project, and I'll win it. Ban assault weapons, good luck. But that's what's going on. But anyway, here's, here's the announcement in terms of what Senator Fadi Kadura had to say to Fox 59 this week. We have heard clearly from many communities that they would like organic solutions that are not mandated by the state of Indiana. The local law enforcement agency 
must submit the recommendations to their legislative body, meaning the city council or the county council, with recommendations and explanation of why they would like to impose these restrictions. So, okay, here's what we're really talking about, though, because under this proposed regulation that this would allow, repealing the preemption act would allow Mary Kennedy to do what Fadi Kadura, Jefferson Shreve, and Joe Hogsett want to do. What it would allow them to do is would institute a, it would be to institute a, a system of fines. So, for instance, Joe Hogsett says we're repealing all concealed carry in Marion County. So, if a four-time convicted felon is caught carrying his firearm in Marion County, he could be fined maximum fine under the Indianapolis Marion County City County Code is twenty five hundred dollars. So what they are telling you, and what Fadi Kadura, Senator Kadura, is just telling you in that announcement right there, because they want their solutions at the local level, they're telling you that someone who's not afraid, because let's say they're 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 a drug dealer who's intent on killing their rival drug dealer, and they're and they're on their way, they're going to do a drive by shooting as their rival drug dealers out on the street selling drugs. Hey, not in my territory. I'm going to go by and shoot his ass. So I'm on the way to go shoot him, and I'm not afraid of the death penalty because i got a long criminal history, and I'm going to shoot him and his associates. I'm going to commit a multiple murder. I'm not afraid of a life in prison or 30 or 60 years in prison. I'm not afraid of any of those things, but I'm going to go, hold on. Joe Hogsett will find me if I carry my firearm into Marion County. Find me. I'm not afraid of 60 years in prison. I'm afraid of Joe Hogsett's fine. Therefore, I'm not going to commit this murder. That's what these idiot politicians want you to believe. That's what Fadi Kadura, Senator Kadura, clearly believes. Otherwise, he wouldn't be proposing this. Because all local jurisdictions can do if this thing passes is institute this system of fines. That's it. Now, 2500 bucks. you as a law-abiding citizen are going to go, well, I don't want to pay a $2,500 fine. That's a lot of money. That's a house payment. That's a couple of house payments. That's several who, what, who, several car payments. That's a big deal. I'm not going to carry my gun. That's a big-ass fine. So what do you say? You're a law-abiding citizen. You don't carry your gun. The criminal doesn't care. They're going to carry their gun anyway. You're the one who now is unprotected. That's what Fadi Kadura, that's what Jefferson Shreve, and that's what Joe Hogs that want to happen in Marion County. That's why this bill has to be defeated, and I'm sure it will. That's it for this year's gun, this week's Gun Guy Show. Come back next week. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. We appreciate it. But make sure you join us live at WIBC.com to stream or at 93.1 FM in central Indiana for the Gun Guy Show every Saturday, 5 to 7.